1: Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. Today, our first guest is Matt Petteruto. He's VP of Economic Development for Orange County Business Council. And I've asked him to kind of talk to us today about how his organization is continuing to foster business and economic development. Very important things here in Orange County, California. Before we get there, I'd like to let you know that our show is brought to you by our advertisers, Center Club, Community Bank, decision toolbox executives unlimited mbn design H rubber strategic market intelligence sunup group t and company tone software turn up the volume and ups protection the goal for this show is to help you our listening audience of ceos who are running middle market firms to improve your decision making skills if you'd like to connect with me on linkedin i am richard rick f-r-a-n-z-i CEO Peer Groups is my Twitter handle, and on your favorite podcasting software, type in these four words, critical, mass, radio, show, and then you'll get our regular updates of our weekly and twice-a-week radio show. Matt, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. It's good to have you here. Tell us a little bit about, for those who may not know, what the Orange County Business Council does and is. Sure. So, our history... Goes back well over 100 years, really,
2: to what was the Orange County Chamber of Commerce at one time. Uh, fast forward to 1995, there were three organizations in Orange County. All kind of doing the similar thing in terms of business development, uh, and it made sense at the time for them to merge. So the three organizations merge into what is today the Orange County Business Council. Our main mission is to represent the Orange County business community. We do that by working both with government and academia to make sure that uh, we have economic prosperity here in Orange County and we maintain what we consider a great quality of life. So uh, that's kind of our main mission. The way we do it is what we Uh, follow our four core initiatives Uh, those initiatives are infrastructure which is really across the board so when we think of structure sometimes it's just transportation right it's much more it's energy uh housing's a little bit different Uh, i'll get to that sorry the four it's coming yes i'm so excited (laughs) i should have known that um so water energy, uh, Wi-Fi. These are all critical infrastructure issues that are important to the success of the business community. Um, Workforce development, which is basically ensuring that the kids coming out of high school, community college, university have the skills that our employers need uh, to put them into the workforce to have them ready to go. And that's a major, major issue for employers in some particular industries. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Great. Um, we have a, what we call the skills gap. Yes. And so that's a, it's a big deal for us. Workforce housing. Hey, so hey. We get housing for you. As and it relates
1: to the workforce. Into In the other workforce. words, affordable housing. Well, it's a lot more than variety that. Variety of housing.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the variety issue. It's supply. It's the variety. So you have your entry-level housing, but also you want to make sure you have it across the spectrum all the way up to the types of housing that our senior executives would want. And, of course, you have the supply. You're going to have the affordability as well. And then last is my area of expertise is economic development, which is probably the most ambiguous term you'll ever hear. But what we try to do is focus on expanding our companies, bringing new companies into the county and then those companies that may consider leaving keeping them here that's kind of at the core of what we do in economic development and we institute a variety of strategies to kind of pursue that
1: so tell me a little tell us a little bit matt about your professional background how long have you been with the can I call it OCBC or do you we? You can call it OCBC. Okay, so yes. pe- some people do. Yes, a okay. lot of people. Shorthand do. for Orange yes. County Business Council. What did you do pre before that and kind of sure. why'd you uh, join the council? Prior to this
2: position, I was a chief of staff to former Orange County supervisor Bill Campbell. Hmm. He served on the board of supervisors for about 10 years and I was his chief of staff for about six years. Fantastic experience, uh, great guy to work for. What was unique about Bill is he came from a private sector background. He was a small business entrepreneur uh, who decided that um, he wanted to get involved in public policy. He served in the legislature for six years mm-hmm. and then came down to the board of supervisors and did that. So it was a great experience because we were tackling public policy issues from a businessman's point of view. Beautiful. So I think. People would like to see more elected officials do that, okay. and he was a shining example of I think what we like to see in our elected officials when they when they run a an enterprise, which is what county government is. It's an eighteen thousand employee conglomerate. Wow, um, that does all the stuff that I like to say that maybe you and I take for granted. So. When we go to John Wayne Airport, we just want to make sure our flight's on time. We don't really think about, well, who runs this place? Well, it's the county of Orange who does that. So it was a great experience. Um, he was nearing the end of his term in office. I had um, talked to Lucy Dunn, our president and CEO at the Business Council, and they were creating a brand new position at mm. the Business Council, vice president of economic development, and it seemed like a perfect fit, and it has been. And So I started the uh from scratch january of 2012 and well that's kind nice to be able to
1: do that right
2: yeah it really is you get to put your own stamp on right. it and uh as i said earlier economic development can be a little ambiguous i've been able to define it as i see it and as the business community sees it so mm-hmm. it's uh, been a great experience
1: so what do you do all day
2: it's a good question uh my wife asked me that a lot too okay. so um, are you free to discuss it parts i am okay it's uh, it's um we, we kind of focus in a variety of areas in economic development. And as I mentioned earlier, business retention and attraction is a big deal right. for us. So uh, there have been times where we found out that local employers are considering leaving Orange County. So what we've done is we formed a series of what we call red teams, and those are basically teams made of both public and private sector partners To meet with the company, find out what their needs are. If there's something that can be done here in Orange County, we figure out a way to make it happen. And so we've been successful in forming these teams and keeping around some major employers here in
1: Orange County. Um, What's it take to keep a major employer?
2: It depends on what their needs are. So we worked with one employer who uh, had a big issue with uh, wastewater charges. And so we were able to meet with the sanitation district and find out, is there a rate that we could apply to them that would make sense and is fair and equitable? We had a company that's a major aerospace manufacturer who had problems with employee training. And so we were able to bring in our local workforce investment board and talk to them about, here are some programs we have for employee training and whatnot. Uh, Most companies, they don't want to leave, But usually their hand is being forced. Um, Most of the time, it's the California regulatory environment that's forcing them out. In those instances, it it is tough to keep them here, but uh, we we make our best effort. And we do it closely with the Governor's Office of Business and Economic Development, which was formed a few years ago for this kind of express purpose of – trying to cut through the red tape to see how they can keep companies
1: local. So it sounds like the state government, too, wants to keep employers in California. Yeah, and to the,
2: yeah, to the governor's credit, he's really stepped up in forming this new department. They've added staff, and you know, they've been very effective. They know they've got an uphill battle, especially when you're competing with uh, the Austin, Texas of the world, yes. and Phoenix, and they're throwing out subsidies and whatnot. Right. It's difficult. We feel California is always going to be a great place to do business. Uh, We feel if you're going to be in California, you should be in Orange County.
1: I agree. All right. Well, we're going to take our first uh, commercial break. We're speaking with Matt Pederuto. He is VP of Economic Development for the Orange County Business Council. When we come back, we're going to continue this theme and exploring the relationship between business and government and agencies like his and how they help to keep that a smooth relationship. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Wow!
3: Marketing predictions are out for 2015 and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability, your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority, contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700.
0: Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles.
1: And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Matt Pederuto, who is VP of Economic Development for Orange County Business Council, OCBC, is here in the studio. Yes, he is. And we're talking all things OCBC. Before we get back to talking to him, I just want to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've listened to over... 16,000 episodes during the last 30 days. We heard at the radio show appreciate your continued and growing support. Of course, all of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guests' website who've been on our radio show and their companies have placed their interview on their website, as well as other business-oriented podcasting services. You know, Matt, one of the things that we were talking about off the air that I wanted to ask you to talk about a little bit on the air is a event slash program that you have called Red to Red Carpet. Can you yeah, share a little bit about it's that?
2: A, it's a great program. We're heading into our fifth year. What it is is it's a competition that we do every year among our public sector agencies to bring forth pro-economic development, pro-business policy programs that they're implementing, whether it to be city, county agencies, water districts, what have you. They bring these forward. We have a panel of private sector representatives who go over the nominations, a variety of different categories, business retention, expansion real estate redevelopment and reuse and then we give them awards and so it's rewarding government for good behavior pro-business behavior you don't see a lot of that but there's a lot of great stuff going on that we felt needs to be recognized and so the programs taken off and very successful here It's now being replicated in the Silicon Valley, Hmm. Millen Empire as well. So something we're very proud of, and I think our public sector agencies are very appreciative as well.
1: So is this event, is it open to the public? Did you say that? Uh, Yeah,
2: any uh, governmental agency here in Orange County is uh, welcome to apply. We usually receive 30 to 40 nominations a year. So it's kind of growing.
1: And so you're providing an external incentive for these agencies to become more business-friendly and removing red tape.
2: that's part of it, and it's allowing other agencies to see what their neighbors are doing right. and say hey, is there something i can implement here and right. so you know it's, it's been
1: very successful that way so let, let's talk about for those that are still not clear where does your funding come from
2: Funding is all from private sector membership dues. Okay, okay. so uh, it's a we, membership organization. Yes, a membership organization. We do a series of events throughout the course of the year. That's the bulk of where our funding comes. We don't receive any public sector subsidies whatsoever.
1: So, who would join or who? Give me a sense for a typical membership.
2: It's, uh, you know, primarily it tends to be the larger businesses, um, but we also have middle market businesses as well who are interested in getting involved, getting to meet. You know, the high level executives from those bigger businesses for business uh, opportunities as well. So it's um, because we tend to be a little bit larger, we Work very closely with our chambers of commerce, who okay. tend to be the small to medium sized, to make sure we're not competing and we're not trying to poach each other's membership. So we work very closely with them on a variety of issues, and have always enjoyed a good working relationship. That
1: well, so if there's a CEO running a five or ten or twenty million dollar or fifty million dollar company out there who's thinking, well, maybe this is an organization that I should join because i can get involved and have a voice yeah is that true
2: absolutely i mean the needs of the larger business community oftentimes mirror those of the smaller to medium-sized folks as well so it's a great opportunity if you're concerned about the business environment here in orange county california even uh, nationally you want to get involved, the Business Council is a great place to do it. It's also a great place to kind of network and meet folks um, to kind of understand what's made them successful business-wise. So it's it really is across the board in terms of the benefits.
1: And, and I would think, tell me if this is a fair um, thing to say, Matt Pederuto, who is VP of Economic Development for OCBC, that it might also be a good way to begin to meet some of our elected officials and regulator, regulators and sort of in that community in, in a natural way because you guys are structuring events where maybe they show up and you yeah. maybe take junkets to sacramento that they may want to go along on are those uh, is that appropriate
2: yeah absolutely you know a lot of you know maybe the small to medium-sized folks don't really know how to get involved in speaking with their elected officials and whatnot. And it's a great venue for them to meet them and a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere. And I think we have a very good relationship with government. So they may not always agree with us. We may not always agree with them. But I think there's a respectful uh, conversation always going on. And that's what our members
1: can engage in. Right. And you, if I may say, you on occasion host events here in the county that they can attend where they might also meet people that you have to speak on a specific topic of interest that affects business as well, Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, We've got two great events coming up that our elected officials uh, will be at. We have what we call our workforce housing scorecard. So we talked earlier about Mm -hmm. uh, workforce housing where we do a report that's uh, written by our chief economic advisor. He'll go over the findings of how we're doing in terms of the number of housing units in Orange County compared to the number of jobs we have. I can tell you without uh, ruining the surprise, or um, it's a... Should I uh, do a drum roll Yeah, well, maybe a small drum roll. Very good. Uh, uh, right now, we're about 50 to 60,000 units short. Really? Today.
1: Which makes housing more
2: expensive. Exactly. And it's demand. a supply and demand issue. Heading out 25 to 30 years, the number's much bigger. And so really? he'll discuss that you also go through how our individual cities are doing in terms oh. of uh, housing supply. One so.
1: thing, one thing I've noticed uh, is the increase in what appears to be high density apartments and etc. Especially in the Irvine yeah. area, it just seems like there's a lot more product coming online. But you're saying that's not keeping up with the demand.
2: It's not keeping up to, with demand, and uh, a lot of that is we're having to go up, right? right. Because of the buildable land is constrained here it's also a lifestyle issue a lot of our millennials that's the type of the housing they want to be in per se they want to be close to their work and and shops and all that so
1: so uh, is orange county seeing that because i'm seeing in other cities where downtowns are getting revitalized that's where the action is that's maybe where the millennials want to live there's restaurants and entertainment and activity is that happening in in orange county it is especially we don't really have a downtown orange county we
2: don't which is interesting and makes us unique you know Orange County is almost one big city because when you go travel, right. you know, where people say, where are you from? You say, I'm from Orange County. <laughs> exactly. How unique is yeah, that? Right? Yeah. So, but um, kind of our inner core area, so Santa Ana, Anaheim, you're seeing a lot of that new type of building going on there. Uh-huh. Um, South County is a little bit more different, it's a little bit more spread out and whatnot.
1: Right. So, yeah. yeah. Orange County is a, kind of a it's unique because with our population center if you could dig us up and stick us somewhere else uh, iowa would be a pretty major metropolitan area but sandwiched between san diego and really more importantly south of la uh-huh. we sort of shrink in relative importance i think to a lot of different uh, places like media yeah which is why i'm glad to be on an oc talk radio radio station focused on orange county business
2: yeah i, I think for too long people f- thought of orange county as a bedroom community los angeles yeah we're over three million people we're the sixth largest county in the nation right um you look at our gdp alone if we were compared to other nations across the globe we'd be 45th in the world Wow. GDP, wow. so it's a we are a big county, we we're big. an economic we engine. We are big, so yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, the media market isn't here, and we we get defined by shows about housewives and whatnot. Right. So,
1: and but and the business has really matured. Uh, I've been here since 1981. The Orange County historically maybe a lot of focus on housing and development, but with the tech boom that's happened here in, in Orange County, with there's a lot we were talking off there. There's a lot of traditional manufacturing companies and traditional businesses in the north county as well as south county san clemente it has such a diverse and rich business environment but it sort of gets lost if you don't live here and and even if you do live here if you don't pay attention to it right because you don't see it
2: it does i mean we are as i said you know a major economic engine you look at just like our medical device industry here in orange county it's estimated we have over 500 medical device companies which makes us one of the largest, if not the largest, in the nation. I mean, you have Allergan and Edwards Life Sciences. I mean, huge companies, right? right? Uh, Same on the tech side. You have companies like Broadcom here, Um, you know, major presences by Toshiba and whatnot. These are big-time Fortune 500 companies. With if not headquarters major presence here in Orange County, um,
1: so yeah, we're a big deal. I'm talking with Matt Pederuto. He's VP of Economic Development for Orange County Business Council, or commonly referred to as OCBC. One of the things that you mentioned. We only have about two minutes left here on the show. Is that you also work with universities? And when you talk about medical devices, first off, I think okay, well, that's UCI. I mean, you can't have those kind of companies in Orange County Broadcom without feeding it with the scientists and the engineers and the graduates and the research that's required, right? So. Mm-hmm. That whole ecosystem has to be here. That's part of what OCBC does as well?
2: It really is. We work very closely with the educational um, community here across all levels. So, yeah, the university level as well, but, you know, high schools and whatnot. Uh, we have the good fortune of a great education system in Orange County. If you look at the population 25 years of age or older, 37% in Orange County have a undergraduate degree, a BA, or higher.
1: Is that relatively high? Rel-
2: it's... Uh, Places to top five in the country.
1: Really? Yeah. So we're like so a highly again, educated county then. Yeah.
2: So why are our businesses successful? You have a skilled workforce to pull from.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm writing this down. because okay, Matt's just throwing out all kinds of facts. I'll that give I, you my notes. Afterwards. I need your notes. Yeah. Because this is important because yeah. um, part of what I believe is there's more need to cover Orange County businesses yeah. than it's currently happening through the media. There's just not enough of us out there. And so that's why... For Critical Mass Radio Show, we've done a 1,000 interviews. Yeah. We're focused on Orange County businesses because there are so many interesting businesses that are vital to the success of the, of the economy. They get overlooked or neglected or not even covered just because yeah. there's nobody left to cover them.
2: I'd encourage your listeners to visit a website we created a few years ago called locationoc.com. So if you're wanting to know about what the business environment is like in Orange County, what makes us a great place to do business, you go on that website. Everything I've talked about today is on there, plus a lot oh. more. So it's a great way that we use to kind of market Orange County and okay. get folks interested in the county.
1: And this just isn't for tourists and for uh, kind of B2C. Yeah, this it's, is it's, B2B. And... Yeah, total okay. business to
2: business. So okay. if the information is out there in Orange County, it's on our website or we
1: link you to it. Okay, locationoc.com. .com. Yeah. Wow, Matt, wow, you're just throwing out all kinds of great information here. Um, we only have a minute left, and then we're going to be wrapping up this part of the interview. So if someone wants to learn more about OCBC, uh, how do they find you online? Where do they go?
2: Best way to do it is ocbc.org is our main web page. And I talked about a great events that we have, if you go to ocbc.org slash events, you will have a complete menu for you, and you can... Pick and choose which uh, works
1: best for you. It's safe to say every month there's something that you're sponsoring or hosting that business owners and executives should at least know about and may choose to attend, right? Absolutely. And if you're not a member, you can still attend. Absolutely. There's just a fee, right, that you pay, which is right, to help cover the cost. Right. Okay. Well... Thank you very much. I'd like to have you back in the future. I think we just scratched the surface on what we could talk about. And there's three other people like you, I guess, at OCBC, responsible for different areas of focus for the organization, too, Yeah, we have
2: a staff that covers a wide variety of areas, and uh, we're lean and mean.
1: Right. But you get a lot done. And I, uh, I would encourage all of our listeners to learn more about Orange County Business Council and how they might get active and participate with them. All right, we're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We'll be back with our second guest after these words from our sponsors.
5: If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO groups is a registered trademark of critical mass for business.
0: UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products.
1: As promised, welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and our second guest, Navneet Chug, of he's managing partner at the Chug Firm, is sitting in the studio. Navneet, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good it's, to be here. It's good to have you here, sir. Tell me a little bit about your firm.
6: Well, our firm is 29 years old. We started as a tax firm in 1985, then a CPA firm in 1990, and then a law firm in 1992.
1: Wow. Why the progression? Help me to understand the strategy behind that.
6: Make more money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, That's simple. Let's move on then. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, I was in school uh, uh, when I started the tax firm, and uh-huh. then I became a CPA. So we became a CPA firm, and then there was a contest for uh, writing an essay, and the winner got free law school tuition. So I don't know what I wrote, but two pages better than 333 other people, so I got law school tuition for wow. free. So then uh, So the firm's practice has kind of followed your education? Yes. Your development. Right. Okay. So deep down we have two firms, a CPA firm and a law firm. Okay. How does that
1: um, how does that work together? I don't know that I've had in the thousand plus interviews that I've done on the radio show anyone with that type of uh, service level. So how does that work when you have a law firm and a CPA firm under one roof?
6: It works great. There's one point two million lawyers in the United States and four hundred thousand CPAs and fifteen thousand attorney CPAs. We, uh, as a matter of fact, have an association called American Association of Attorney CPAs. And I tell all my lawyers, don't come tell me that I'm not good at math because 90% of the fight is about money. So you better be good at math. Mm -hmm. So it works great. Uh, We do corporate work, tax, litigation, immigration, and then do general counsel and CFO work for small to medium-sized companies.
1: So you took me right to my next place. Let's let, let's talk about the type of clients that you work with. Uh, people that are listening to our show here on Critical Mass Radio Show, Nemneet, tend to be CEOs running firms of maybe uh, 5 million to 100 million, probably more like 5 to 50 million. That's the sweet spot for the guests that listen to the show. But tell me about the type of people that you work with companies.
6: Well, we have uh, 10 offices and about 300 employees and 114 attorneys and CPAs. So we work with small and medium-sized businesses. We work with mom-and-pop shops. Okay. We work with medium-growing businesses. We work with large businesses, and we have 10 of Fortune 500 as clients.
1: Okay. So you co- you cover quite a ri- wide range. Tell me about the 10 offices. Where, where are they located?
6: Five in the U.S., New Jersey, Atlanta, D.C. on the East Coast, and Santa Clara and Cerritos in California.
1: Okay. And how did you get to this point? Was it through acquisition, was it organic growth? How did you get into these other markets?
6: Uh, I made made the mistake of uh, <laughs> reading about Peter Drucker 25 years ago, and he said uh, an organization that's not growing is dying. Okay. So I said, okay, we don't want to die, which means we got to keep growing. Right. So we've kept growing, and. 15 years ago, one of my very good employees, his wife got transferred to New York, and he said, I'm sorry, I have to leave. I said, can I come with you? <laughs> so
1: I went with him. So it didn't bother him at all that you wanted to move with him or anything? No. Oh, okay. He said, okay, about
6: it. I'll work from home. I said, no, I'm going to start an office across the street from where you live. Wow. I'm going to put in a lot of good furniture. And he says, I'm alone. I said, I don't care. I'm going to go. Let's go buy some plants. Uh-huh. So I decorated the office. So that's how we ha- New York happened. So four of our ten offices are because of marriage. One of our employees got married into that city, and I went with them.
1: What a unique way to grow your firm. What a logical way to grow your firm and not lose key, what I assume were key, good employees that you wanted to keep in the firm.
6: Yes, Rick. You know, in our business, it's very simple business, good employees and good clients. That's all we have. Right. We're very lucky. We have wonderful clients and very, very lucky we have 300 awesome employees.
1: Yeah, because in a service space, which many of the guests that have been on our show are, are in the service space, it really is the quality of your staff that determines your value proposition, yes. isn't it? yes. I mean, you can put tools and systems and marketing, and you need all that other stuff too. But at the heart of it, it's the delivery of the service by the individuals that you choose to bring onto your team.
6: Right. And like Jim Collins says in Good to Great, if you get good employees, they'll put in the systems for you.
1: Right. Right, it all starts with the good employees, right? Okay. Right people on the bus. Yes. Okay. Well, we're you're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. Navneet Chug is our guest. He's managing partner for his firm, the Chug Firm, which we're exploring a little bit. I wonder if you could talk about and maybe address the three main factors that make your firm unique. I have them here: as accessibility, efficiency, and superior client service. Can you can you take us through that? Those elements.
6: Right. Um, you know, the first thing in our business is to be able and you have to be good so we hire good employees then we spend a lot of money on training and the second thing is we have to be available so we're available 24 hours a day somewhere in uh, our office is open in the world right and we work late at night and our employees have their cell phones on their signatures and uh, we have five offices in India so I work with them every night and so we want to be available at all times because when clients have problems they want answers uh, right away in this new age and then uh, we have to be affordable so we try our best to do value billing and what do you mean by that that if it's going to take us six hours to do something and the client's problem is only worth two hundred dollars then i'm not going to charge the client five hundred dollars to solve a two hundred dollar problem and for twenty nine years that i've been running the firm i've told my clients hey You get an invoice, and if you don't like any piece of it and you don't want to pay, just cut the charge from the invoice Hmm. and say no value received and send us a reduced payment and nobody will say a word to you.
1: Can I ask them, does that happen?
6: Rarely. But if they do it? They do it. I've told my accounting staff that I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see the client's letter because I don't want to be tainted. Next time I'm talking to the client and whatever the client says, please do it. You know, I, I, I
1: want to sit on that point for a second because I I, I lead CEO peer groups for business owners. And, and sometimes one of the members will talk about a, an interesting guarantee or value or offer that they'd like to make. And sometimes there's a conversation about, well, what's the risk of that? And will people take advantage of you if you if you make these claims and these offers? And it has been my experience that they don't, that they only do it when it's appropriate. And very few times... Maybe you have to fire a client who's abusive with that, but generally speaking, people are good. They they value the fact that you're willing to stand behind your claim. And mm-hmm. your experience sounds like it supports that as well. Of course. Don't be afraid to make that offer. Right. I never had a problem. Okay, so we're talking with Namneet Chug, and you were going through accessibility, efficiency, and superior client service. So ha- have we touched on all three?
6: Yes, and I think the superior client service, uh, in my mind, comes from giving advice that is tainted with good business sound logic i, I don't think clients want to ever hear that hey you can't do it so i try not to ever yeah, that's say that's a hard
1: okay. thing to hear from your advisors isn't it yes so, and sometimes uh cpas but then also attorneys lawyers yes. are, are sort of known for maybe being a little that right. way
6: at times right okay so i i only tell clients what can be done and don't ever say to them that this can't be done there is always a solution
1: Right. So you're looking at the business imperatives behind the opportunity, not maybe some of the regulations, et cetera, Correct. helping them figure out the way to get it done. Correct. Th- that has to be very valuable in someone as trained as you are and your staff, the size and organization yes. that can deliver on that.
6: Yes, and I think if you start thinking like that, if you don't think like it, there will never be a solution. But if you start thinking like there has to be a solution, the client wants it done, and, yeah, there is a law in the middle, but there is always a way. We don't have to do anything illegal, right. which I would never, ever do or recommend to anyone. But there is always a solution.
1: just have to find it and be yes. creative, right? Yes. Navneet Chug is our guest here in Critical Mass Radio Show. So talk to me about your global footprint. And, and, and now, Navneet, I'm most interested in middle-sized firms that are your clients. How does your footprint your people in India benefit middle market CEOs that are here in North America?
6: Well, we're technically the only law firm in the world that has an office in India and U.S. We have a exclusive affiliate relationship with uh, an, a firm in India Okay, which some of our partners are partners in the Indian firm as well because India doesn't allow foreign lawyers to practice in, in India so we have five offices in India okay. um, and we do inbound work which is American companies going and setting up shop in India, oh. we do everything for them. Okay. So when Indian companies want to come to U.S., which is part of our practice, mm-hmm. we help Indian companies settle down in U.S., employment work, tax work, real estate work, litigation, immigration. Our Indian offices help European and American companies wanting to do business in India, and we do everything for them. So, nandi the, let's let's look at it from
1: both perspectives. From your experience and years of doing this and and ability to understand both cultures, is one way more challenging than the other setting up an american firm in india
6: or an indian firm in america what is your experience tell me i don't think there's any country in the planet uh, in which bus- to do business is as easy as united states is easy as contrary to what you might think or hear or feel united states is the easiest country to do business in from what perspective every perspective uh in spite of the laws in spite of the rules in spite of the regulations uh, this country, it's very easy to do business. Language, paperwork, access to law, justice, access to courts. is just beautiful. Can I ask, from an acceptance of a
1: company into the into the U.S., is that a factor as well? You know, kind of... Um the fact that you can open up a business here and may not be a local entrepreneur is—is is that is, do you do you see that being more accepting in the U.S. as well? Does that make sense the way yes. I'm asking
6: it? Yes, uh, and it has been like that for 300 years. The U.S. has welcomed foreign money. Right now, we've had a law since 1990: you invest a million dollars in a business in the United States, you get a green card. So the what? green card is on what's sale it? for a million bucks. And what's the what's the
1: logic behind that, from your perspective? I think and the, the benefit to the U.S.?
6: I think the logic to that has been that the world looks for a safe country to invest in, in which they can invest and easily get a stock certificate and easily own it. Nobody's going to steal it from them. and it's So the rule of law? Rule of law. Okay. I think it was Hernando de Soto who wrote a book many years ago, How the West Has Won, and he says two simple things that every American takes for granted, having a stock certificate and having a real estate deed which takes five minutes in the United States, is a big challenge in the rest of the world.
1: And you're right. We do take that for granted. That's sort of just accepted, isn't it? Yes. Well, this is great perspective that you're giving us. So... Are you suggesting then that there, there are still some greater challenges going the other way than for an American firm to open up shop in India? But it's been very common in, in, in many sectors and many industries, very prevalent as a business practice.
6: Yes. Uh, India got independence in forty seven. So From forty seven to 1991, it was very difficult. Since 1991, India has opened up and liberalized and is doing great. And okay. it's gotten much easier and it keeps getting easier every month. The government keeps uh, doing new rules and regulations, which making business easier to enter into India. Mm-hmm. But it's still far more difficult than the United States. But I tell my clients, it's not your problem, it's my office's problem in India. You give me a corporation name, and I'll have you up and running. That's right. all I want. Right. Well, I,
1: I spent many years in technology, and it's very common for technology companies to have a, a large footprint of software developers and, and, and um, knowledge workers that are based in India and in different parts of India. India as well. yes
6: yes that uh, thanks to liberalization in 1991 and the tech boom in 1995 right and the y2k crisis in 2000 and then the internet uh, boom and crash and india has been booming
1: so is it your perspective that by setting up businesses cross culture like that that that's actually for the global economy beneficial
6: i think so and i think uh, the world is realizing that united states and india are two wonderful allies because what's important in this country is exactly what's important in India. What makes this country tick is education and entertainment and religion and politics. And those four things dominate every layer of uh, Indian culture.
1: Last question, then we're going to take our commercial break and then meet. Sure. Do you think that's partly attributable to our shared history relative to being associated to Great Britain or the United Kingdom?
6: I think partly, and the fact that the U.S. is the oldest democracy and India is the largest democracy had a lot to do with it.
1: Excellent. Wow, this is great perspective. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Thank you for coming in today. We're going to take our last commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Navneet Chug is going to be back on the show. We're going to have an interesting conversation for the last eight minutes of the show when we get back. Hold on. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors.
3: Wow marketing predictions are out for 2015 and marketing success is changing did you know that google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation online and offline marketing has changed google is driving more than 85 percent of your traffic and if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015 to learn how your business is currently viewed And what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority? Contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. Let's face it, not all company challenges are the same, which is why Strategic Market Intelligence can help identify the actionable information you need to be more competitive. Gain a better understanding of your brand, competition, best prospects, or new product opportunities to generate greater revenues in 2015. Call 949-357-9547 or visit www.strategicmarketintelligence.com. Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based and delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at t&co.me.
1: And welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. The Chug is my guest. We're talking with him. He's the managing partner of the Chug Firm. And I am Rick Franzi, your host. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download the radio show as a podcast. You've listened you've downloaded and listened to over sixteen thousand episodes during the last thirty days. And we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose companies have put their interview with their CEO on their website as well as various other podcasting services. If you're not a regular subscriber to our show, simply go into your favorite podcasting software, type in these four words, critical mass radio show you'll get our weekly updates we do at least one show a week this week we're doing two i'm going to do another show tomorrow today's tuesday that'll be wednesday now nate um i'd like to ask you your guiding principle for me here on critical mass radio show it's your overarching philosophy for how you started the firm and then as you continue to lead and grow it could you share your guiding principle with our audience
6: yes uh i think my business is very simple it's a service business and i have two things to to two uh, areas to be worried about and take care of. One is employees and one is clients. And I think if I could just be fair and decent and honest and act in integrity with both employees as well as clients, then all of my problems remain solved. So so are there times when you have to remind yourself of that guiding principle? I guess it gets becomes ingrained in you. Okay. And so every action you take, everything you think about doing it, it's just the bottom line. It's just a foundation you operate from.
1: Right. And I, my experience is then that the employees of your firm begin to learn that from watching your behavior. right? More than what you say, it's how you make decisions and act and direct them to act as well, right? Right. Because it really does bleed into the culture. Yes. Uh, this sounds like a foundational belief system for your culture. Right. It builds the culture from which it, it springs from and maintains itself. Right. A- and I would think having not just remote offices but international offices maintaining the culture must be a little bit of a challenge
6: just because of you know time zones culture etc it is a challenge i notice that people who worked in our headquarters when they go to some other office those offices tend to do better
1: okay why do you be- think
6: because they worked with us they trust us they can't believe that an organization can run in such an ethical manner when we get some outsiders, they have a hard time trusting us. That this is something's wrong. No organization can be so ethical, yes. and they don't have the culture. And I think, uh, you know, uh, part of the guiding principles is is four things we concerned about: speed, brand, talent, and culture. And I I have a sticky on my desk, and I l- look at it every day, and I think about it every day. That my concern as CEO of the organization has to be. Speed, brand, talent, culture, and integrity. Speed because the way the world is operating now. Uh, Brand because people are brand conscious, and that's how you remind people that you're ethical and you operate in integrity. And talent because that's all we have. That's the only machineries we have, our people. So we invest a lot in our people. And then we have an awesome culture, really, really wonderful culture. We have a lot of fun. We do a lot of crazy stuff, mm. and there's crazy stuff happening every day, every week in all offices.
1: You're saying a, bu- a bunch of attorneys and CPAs do crazy things? Yes. Well, I love that. That's that's <laughs> almost counterculture in some ways. You know, Tony Shea uh, who has built Zappos, uh, said, and it's the first time that I thought of it this way, he said, Your culture is your brand. You can't maintain for the long term a separate brand from what your culture really is, because it's really, culture is when your clients touch your company, and usually right. that's touching your people, right? Right. That's where they see your culture and your brand. It comes into one. I thought, well, you know, that Tony Shea was so right in that, because you think of, maybe even professionals and 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 people who have a certain professional brand but their personal culture is different once we learn their culture is different than their brand what do we believe their culture right right we don't believe what brand marketing right. they said and sometimes they can never get that back right and it must be hard with this many people to make sure that people really appreciate and understand these four principles but the fact that you've been able to distill it down into four Communicatable issues must help you in building and reinforcing the culture right
6: it helps and you know we have a, a culture of trust and uh, for instance we have a servant leader a, a quarter we just pick people at random people either volunteer sometimes we have a contest who can be a servant leader hmm. and these are not managers not owners anybody in all offices they run the firm for three months really yes wow servant leader of the quarter
1: wow what an honor Right? Yes. What an opportunity for them to appreciate what it means to be the leader. as well right right because sometimes you can't really appreciate it till you have to do it correct till you're in that seat
6: at least we've transformed one person a quarter right
1: and they probably reverberate within the organization for the other people who know like and trust them they 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 are in uh, in positively influencing people about their experience as well
6: right and we tell them to make sure clients are happy make sure employees are happy make sure university sessions are happening training is going on there's fruit at the office there's lunch at the office. There is fun activities going on. There's debates. Um, there's birthday celebrations. There's outings, celebrations for every good thing that happens to the firm we celebrate.
1: What an exciting thing. Uh, what a great conversation. I appreciate your time. We have about two minutes left. Tell me about the future for your firm. And, and meet. Where are you going with this? Where do, where do you see it?
6: Well, our challenge and our growth is one and the same. Uh, we have uh, a, a CFO of one of the largest clients says to me last month, that, uh why can't you off- open more offices in other countries? Because whenever we go to any country, I tell my employees, hey, find a chug over there because we want a firm like yours. So can you please start an office in England? Can you please go to Singapore? Can you please go to Brazil? Wow. I love it when customers lead you that
1: way. Are you, yes. are, are you going to be able to do
6: that? Well, we started thinking about it. We've made a lo- list of 20 cities we want to be at. We recently entered into an arrangement with a professional service organization that provides immigration service around the world, okay. 80 countries. So I've communicated that to my clients that he wanted us to be in more countries. Here we go, 80 more countries.
1: Wow. I tell you, it, it feels like you're on the next growth spurt then for the firm. I mean, this sounds... I love it when an entrepreneur listens to their clients. It's more impressive that their clients want to do, want to do more business with you. That speaks volumes, right? Right. But then to be also be able to b- take the appetite and take action on that is very right. powerful, Nibneet. Yes. I've really enjoyed this. How does someone learn about your firm online? How do they find you? Chug.com.
6: C-H-U-G-H dot com.
1: Do I'm sorry, I talked over you. Would you spell that again? C-H-U-G-H. Dot com i'd like to have you back in the future would you like to come back and talk about your firm my pleasure every all right. day <laughs> all right well we're going to end this show well we'll have to do that we'll have crystal our producer work with you and we'll find another time to have you back sir to talk more about you you and your firm i'd like to thank our advertisers for making this all possible center club community bank decision toolbox executives unlimited mbn design snh rubber strategic market intelligence sunup group and Company, Tone Software, Turn Up the Volume, and UPS Protection. This is your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk, which will be tomorrow for those that listen to us live on OCTalkRadio.net, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.
0: You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies, with your host, Richard Franzi.